Hello, horror fans. Welcome to Selling the Scream, a show about horror movies brought to you by one horror noob and one horror nerd. I am Jed Donaldson, your host uh, and the aforementioned noob. Uh, that leaves us with our co-host, uh, my good friend and nerd, uh, Josh the Doom Prophet Yoakum. How's it going, Josh? I am a messenger of God. Um, yeah, no, it's it's going really good. I've been uh, hiding in pantries, uh, riding riding my bike with really great posture, uh, wearing a pork pie hat that I plan to yeah. keep wearing for five more years. Yeah, I mean, I, um, we're definitely going to tell you what the movie is, but uh, I, I just want to say that my wife was a big fan of Ralph. <laughs> she she laughed so hard the first time he was on screen that I had to stop the movie and rewind so I could actually hear what was being said. The OG man. Well, uh, I mean, we usually spoil these ones up top before we get into like the topic because it's kind of a special one for us, even if we're even if we're behind the curve a little bit on these. Yeah. Uh, but it's our it's that time of that time of year that that holiday that that this year's coming twice. Or aren't you excited that we're we're gonna do this again? I mean, I'm here. <laughs> I'm here. That counts, right? So Friday the thirteenth, recorded on the fifteenth, released on the sixteenth. Yeah, you know, it's, it's, it's a real Solomon Grundy of a podcast that we've tackled here. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, we haven't uh, we haven't recorded since uh, before the holidays. Just wanted to catch up a little bit, see how uh, how you were doing, how uh, how this this time off has treated you. I guess. Uh, I mean, same as always. Visited my wife's family for Christmas. Uh, we were at my grandparents on Christmas Day. Uh, my brother made a real ass out of himself when my trans niece decided to come, you know, and actually express herself as feminine with makeup and a dress and all that stuff. And he basically just came in, said nice, really, and then left <laughs> because he couldn't stand and stay and put up with that stuff. So, uh, yeah, it didn't have, ruin, ruin the day at all. <laughs> but, but have you considered his feelings about it? Because that, that, they're so important. <laughs> oh yeah I, i've done nothing but so what? that's how my holiday started <laughs> they got better okay okay well that's 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 good uh yeah we, i got to have uh, um we we kind of held off on doing our big christmas stuff uh my son was out of town with his mom and his mom's family so we didn't really celebrate until kind of after the new year and uh they had that fun parent thing where you're just like Oh no, I haven't gotten them enough stuff. I haven't gotten enough stuff. I need to get like enough stuff to preserve the magic. And then like all of grandma's presents, <laughs> all of grandma's presents arrive. And it's like, Oh no, we've gotten them too many things. <laughs> Where are we going to put it all? <laughs> your, your, your son I think we love your... him too much. <laughs> <laughs> your son was out with your, uh, your, your ex having his uh, gluten-free toys and all the not fun stuff that you don't let him play with at your house. <laughs> I was just like, uh, you know, I got you this uh, carton of cigarettes, the Breakfast Club gift. <laughs> Smoke out, Tony. Uh, no, it's, it was it was a really good time. Now it was uh, he he was a bit overwhelmed by it, and uh, it put it in like a good way. And he's like, you know, it's not all just the video games that he's played with. He's actually engaged with some of the other gifts and stuff. And man, I, I wish my kids uh, did that. <laughs> I have. <laughs> I have the weirdest children. They do not get excited by presents whatsoever. They could care less. I mean, I won't say they could care less about Christmas because they do like they know Christmas is here and they're going to get presents and stuff. But like, yeah, I remember when I was young, 
I would wake up like early. Like I would, I'd be like jumping out of bed because I wanted to go and see what Santa brought me. Right. Um, yeah. We have to wake our kids up. <laughs> like nine o'clock rolls around. They're still up in yeah. bed. And say, what the fuck are you guys doing? It's Christmas. Let's get, get some presents. I mean, that's, Good on good on them. I didn't figure that out until later. Like, no, the the real gift is like sleeping insults. <laughs> That's something money can't buy. I just it's so weird though. It's just so different from what I expect. Um well luckily there's the there's a new holiday for us to celebrate it, even though it you know technically already passed, but we uh Thank we're, God. Doing, we're doing the we're doing Friday the thirteenth. And I had like a I had a real eerie Friday the 13th thing happen. I uh, took took my my dog out for a walk and we've been like monitoring his diet because he's uh, he likes to eat towels. I think I've talked about it a little bit on the on the show before. And it, like we, we talked about his, his wrecks... rubber, his his affection for rubber. <laughs> I don't think I've heard yes. towels yet. <laughs> now, yeah, he's moved on to absorbent material, which is like even worse. Um so, you know, I'm paying a, a bit more attention to, uh, you know, his movements than normal just to make sure things are, are moving along down there. And uh, mid mid uh, mid squat, he just uh, decided he needed to, like, look me eye to eye and stood up and just stood up to his full height. He's a lanky guy. He's like part greyhound. Some just leverage. <laughs> finished the rest of his business like like a. Like a state, I was gonna say like a man, but people set like no, look, he wasn't it's, sitting. <laughs> it's weird enough that dogs like to look at you when they do it anyway, but to have him get up to your level to do it as just spooky. Real power move, real power move. I was not <laughs> expecting from this, this guy. So did you look away? Well, no, you gotta you gotta lock eyes the whole time. You know. <laughs> oh yeah, you, you. I mean, if you look away, it's over. <laughs> yeah. Then then, then you, I have not, to put the leash on. You're not the alpha anymore. <laughs> <laughs> what do we talk about dogs standing while moving on the show? Did that really happen on Friday the 13th? What it a Yeah. <laughs> Tis the season. No, we don't talk about pooping dogs on this show. We talk about horror movies, specifically ones that Josh has chosen in an attempt to turn me, uh, a relative newbie to the genre, into a fan. Uh, I guess he's doing all right because uh, we're still doing the show and most of them have been all right, which is as glowing a review as you're going to get from me. Especially this time, because uh, as as much as my track record has been pretty okay, we've done four of these bad boys so far, and uh, you've liked one of them. <laughs> and that one's a little borderline, so we'll see if yeah. the, if this one does does better. Yeah, and, it's uh, a, this we're one is, Friday Thirteenth. We're going all the way back to the beginning. Yeah, it's like a prequel for you. Uh, basically, yeah. <laughs> Get that backstory I didn't know I needed. <laughs> um yeah we're doing the original friday, friday the 13th that's uh i i love this series and all warts and all and uh i i think this original is um so much as i, I kind of like some of the other ones in the series a little bit more than i like the original uh it's a game changer it's uh it, halloween might have proved that you could make this kind of movie but more importantly friday the 13th prove that you could copy it poorly and still make a lot of money so <laughs> that's where we're starting from so let's I, I i don't think they they copied it poorly i think there are there are good things in this but i think it's a uh the filmmaker himself sean cunningham will tell you he's not he was not a an artiste he is not a uh he's an exploitation filmmaker and he was looking at what movies made money and Halloween made a lot of fucking money. So 
uh, I think I've, I've mentioned this on the show before, that Friday the 13th, uh, they thought of the title and then took out a full-page ad in Variety uh, with the, the breaking glass and the Friday the 13th logo um, saying it's the scariest movie ever made. Had not written one bit of it yet. It was just, we, we have a title. <laughs> I mean, isn't that, isn't that like a, a thing that successful people do is they just kind of fake it until they make it or they, they visualize, they put it out into the world and make it exist? Yeah, it's, uh, you know, it's certainly it's certainly happened in this case. But, boy, that's a that's a fumble if you if you don't pull that one off. Right? <laughs> yeah, boy, is your face red. <laughs> I, but, I find uh, it interesting that we think of this as, well, at least you're pitching it kind of as an exploitation flick when I did not see it that way. Yeah, no, it's uh, when I say exploitation flick, I think we've kind of had this conversation before. Um really kind of what that term means i think it's kind of gotten like disambiguated a little bit in the in the culture of being like exploiting a group of people or like oh this is black exploitation we're gonna like we're gonna make these movies it's just cheap and and this audience will eat it up or whatever whatever other exploitation you want to add in there sex exploitation, yeah, whatever i mean that is certainly the way that i have always viewed it yes and it's really kind of more about like an exploitation of, of gaps in the market. It's a, it's about um, seeing that movie studios aren't uh, meeting a need <laughs> that, that people want to see. So a lot of times it is kind of like the schlocky horror stuff because in the, in the seventies, like a major studios weren't making that or things that you would just like, were just sort of outrageous. I mean, um, I guess I understand that, but I, I would almost argue that, you know, common use not has slipped into the more, black exploitation range than the actual like maybe intended meaning yeah but even then it was like there are great black exploitation movies it's just that like hollywood studios weren't making movies for that audience so that's the exploitation is that an independent studio can kind of come in and like hope to make way above their investment back in it and that's that's uh what he hit with on this but he he was a, an exploitation filmmaker he kind of had like one big hit before this um one big on the books hit before this um his original first couple of movies that he made um are, are, we'll dive a little bit into uh the history of porn here <laughs> um, because sean cunningham made uh, in 1970 a movie called like a marriage story um, and this is the very tail end of when you couldn't actually, if you wanted your, your movie that was a porn to play in a movie theater um, and have any sort of like I regulation would. around it. Yeah. Cause you know, that's where you want to, that's where you want to go to watch pornography, right? Like yeah, a, surrounded a by crowded room. <laughs> elbow to elbow. <laughs> um, but you could, you couldn't uh, just make a straight, porn movie because that was that was against the law you'd you'd like it was obscenity standards so in the like 50s 60s and early 70s if you wanted to make a a porno movie you would have to make it with uh as like a fake documentary or like a a guide to marriage and that's what his first two movies are it's like uh, the first one is like this is what you're supposed to do when you're married this is a documentary about it and let's play some, you know, let's turn the lights down real low and turn up the funky music. 
<laughs> that is really uh, weird. Yeah, and then uh, the second one he actually brought on board, and I think we talked about this a little bit before, but he worked with Wes Craven. Um, and Wes Craven was like young, trying to break into film. He'd been in academia. Um, they work on another movie called, uh, I think it's uh, Together. And it's um, both these movies, I have not seen either one of them, supposed to be like, you know, bad movies, but, you know, it's like, it's not really what they're for, I guess. Um, the second one was like, this is a documentary about what it's like to be a pornographic actress. So, <laughs> like, they're right. still sticking to that formula, even though, like, at the time, it's kind of the barriers were starting to come yeah. down by the time that they came out. That's a little on the nose. <laughs> no, technically, it's still a documentary. It's just, you know, a documentary about a woman who has, like, uh, bad plumbing and needs to order pizzas. and <laughs> Stuck in dryers. <laughs> Maybe that's more of a recent development. <laughs> um. But they they shifted gears as a team, and uh, Wes Craven wanted to make a movie, and they made uh, the exploitation horror movie Last House on the Left together. And this was a this was a big hit for them, um, which is a maybe we'll cover it at some point on the show. It's a it's a weird mix of horrific, based on like uh, an Ingmar Bergman like medieval revenge movie. Um, and also has like uh, wacky police officers that have their own like Benny Hill like theme music. <laughs> <show> up, so, a <laughs> little, little bit of a mixed bag. Um, before Friday the Thirteenth, he makes two movies that, that do not do well. And just to kind of show like that he was just always chasing trends. Um, they were they were kids movies. They were they were inspired by the success of the Bad News Bears. This was like just oh this this is a thing that was successful so let's let's just make this thing <laughs> so uh yeah. those don't do well um but he uh does start working with victor miller who is the writer on friday the 13th um they find that they work really well together um they they decide they're going to do uh their their halloween thing they kind of beat a bunch of other things to market um there's a, there's two years between it. So in 79, a couple, like there's some good horror movies that come on 79, but the things that are like slashers um, are like when a stranger calls. Are you familiar with when a stranger calls? By title, I guess. Obviously I haven't seen it. Yeah, it's, it's, it's got a killer opening, like 10 minutes. That's like kind of like the opening of screen. It's like, it's based on the, uh, the urban legend of the, the, the callers calls are coming from inside the house. Right. Um, and then the rest of the movie is like a police procedural. Yeah, yeah, it's the same same setup kind of as Black Christmas, but um, after that really great opening, it just kind of turns into a police procedural. After that, it's like it jumps in time, and it's just like they're trying to catch the guy. Um, Ice teas and <laughs> and then you have a couple other things like the Driller Killer, but that's like more like arty and kind of a black comedy. It's like New York in the 70s grimy uh you have tourist trap which i love a lot i wanted to do on the show for a while but it's it's way more of like a texas chainsaw thing than a like true slasher okay um and they they kind of just get, boil down all the stuff that made halloween work and just like drain anything that it has to say out of it and, and just make it a roller coaster ride uh and that's 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 what we got here with a friday the 13th it's a it's a huge hit uh the 
the writer is not a horror writer, but he he took the assignment seriously and uh, based the killer on his own mother, which is like, you know, cool to hear. Yeah. <laughs> Mom, maybe maybe don't watch this one. <laughs> um, but he said he also tried to like base it a lot on like his own primal fears that like and that would appeal to anybody just like there's somebody under my bed there's somebody in the closet like yeah. um trying to use like archetypes to kind of tell the story and just move through and, and hit all the beats so, so um I, I wondered how long had like slasher films kind of been a thing before? you mean really it's arguable if like you know we've, we've kind of talked before about the history of the slasher a little bit where if like yeah. Are you counting Psycho? Are you counting Texas Chainsaw Massacre? Are you counting um, Bay of Blood? Um, but really, it's kind of like Halloween's where like it it takes off. So that's two years before this. Right. Um, so that's why I was kind of talking about that gap year because I think Friday the Thirteenth is the first one to come out post Halloween that like that gets it, <laughs> like that understands how they work. So I guess really and what. So, it- what I'm trying to get at here is like this is really one of the one of the originals, right? It's it's one of the ones that kind of set the stage and set the formula for what's to come afterwards, even if it wasn't like the first. Yeah, and I and I kind of argue that if like if Friday the Thirteenth didn't hit, or if some of the like one of the other early slashers that came in its wake didn't hit, you probably wouldn't have a lot more slashers. Like if it was just a one-off, like oh this one weird horror movie did really well, I, I think you just have this one strange horror movie that did really well, but proving that it was replicable made it like an actual like subgenre on itself and and kind of pushed depending on how you feel about slashers for um, better or worse uh, going forward um i think another like big thing in this one is that uh it was based out of new york it was not based out of la so like they had a lot of like broadway actors who were kind of hungry for film experience okay um coming on board this one and like they 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 took casting really seriously and it was at a really small budget, but they could get talented young folks who were in, a, in an environment where they were owning on their, owning their craft. And I think the performance levels are a bit varied in this one, but I think the ones that hit really well do great. You got motherfucking Kevin Bacon. Yeah, I, I, I'm not sure well. if I knew that he was in this or not. <laughs> <laughs> I was surprised to see him. I could say that much. Uh, I, yeah. I was going to say that um, I think for the most part, the the young cast is pretty good. Like overall, the the performances that kind of stick out to me as as more what kind of what you would expect from a of like a slasher movie type movie were kind of the the older people, and the adults on the periphery who were kind of mm-hmm. you know chewing scenery a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah the, the 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 town of of crystal lake has some characters in it mm-hmm. so, <laughs> um i think the other like kind of cool casting move here is um you know i guess spoilers for friday the 13th the first movie in the series but the fifth time we've discussed this franchise that mm-hmm. the, the the killer is is jason's mother it's mrs Voorhees. um but it's kind of it was kind of a big swing for them to get Betsy Palmer too because um, she had not been in much for a while, um, but she was like a marquee star in the in the late fifties and was just like on TV all the time throughout the like sixties and seventies was a like the name to get 
who also just happened to need a car and had a few days that she could film. So. <laughs> I, I mean, I, I will say like kudos to her. Um, Cause it seemed like a lot of like the physical stuff she was game for and was doing. <laughs> well, yeah. Uh, so much so that uh, during the fight scenes, they, they were like, hey, we're going to go ahead and rehearse this. And she grabs uh, Adrian King and just slaps her across the face. And she's like, that's how you do it on Broadway. <laughs> It's <laughs> like, uh, it's a movie. You don't have to do <laughs> I mean, if you want it to look good. <laughs> um, they did find Adrian King was like kind of the the, the last role that they filmed. Uh, they, they they filled and she was the an open audition for it. Um, and she was the last person that came in and interviewed. So we are going to talk. I, if anybody wants to hear more about her and kind of her experience with this, I do recommend. Mm-hmm. Uh, downloading our part two episode and 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 listening to that one because it's pretty wild. Um, yeah, kind of what happens between that movie and and the this movie and that movie. Um, I made some pieces of it. it was. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then speaking of people that we've talked about before, I think another huge key to, to the success of this movie um, is it, like when we talked about Halloween, like. Halloween's real suspenseful and real scary, but like when Michael Myers actually kills people, it's like very bloodless and people just go cross-eyed. Mm-hmm. Um, they bring in fucking Tom Savini fresh off <laughs> Dawn of the Dead, and uh, they're like, "We have some ideas for kills." He's like, "But I," they're like, "We don't, we don't think we can get away with it with our budget." And he's like, "Oh no, you can. <laughs> I will make <laughs> this happen." <laughs> uh, yeah, I. That was something that I definitely wanted to talk about was the uh, the practical effects and how uh, good they look. <laughs> yeah, yeah, especially even in like high death, like you can definitely see more yeah. and kind of see like some of the lines and stuff. But there were definitely times when it's not difficult to see how they did it, right? But it yeah. doesn't look fake. Yeah, and it's uh, I think it's used. It's not as bloodless as Halloween is, but mm-hmm. I think it's also. Um, they don't really linger on a lot. Like you, you definitely see everything, and they, 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 they show you the magic trick, but they, most of the movie is the buildup. Like it's not. A couple of the throat just, flashes are are pretty well documented. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I don't know which version you watch. There is an unrated and a rated version of this. The unrated version has like maybe an extra eleven seconds. It's not. It's not much. But like the MPA didn't cut a lot. It wasn't until the sequels like this. This movie really got uh, parents groups very concerned and like changed the parameters of what you could get away with for for an R rating. Um, I'm not sure uh, which I watched either, but I would guess it was the unrated because a lot of them, a lot of the like, especially the the throat cut stuff. I I got to see enough of it to know that, oh, that this looks good. (laughs) (laughs) Um. Before we dive into the movie, I just wanted to like, uh, as this is kind of like a mega fan thing, like just talk a little bit about where the franchise currently is because it keeps changing. And like the principals are the guys, are the writer and the director of this movie in an ongoing lawsuit. Um, it's kind of settled, but they're still like, we'll see. Um, where basically Sean Cunningham owns all the stuff that comes after this movie. And Victor Miller, the writer, owns like the the story elements from this movie. Um, but apparently it's settled enough that even though they haven't made a Friday the 13th anything and at this point 13 years, um, or 14 been that long. 
Yeah, no, the, the reboot was 2009. Um, I thought for sure that teens. <laughs> the uh, Sean Cunningham has posted that there's something coming out in 2023, but he hasn't said what, and that's really nebulous. Um, but the on the anything. other side, it could even be a boat. <laughs> um, Victor Miller, um, who like has the the rights for this movie, uh, has negotiated a a deal with uh, Brian Fuller, the guy who did like Hannibal and like Pushing Daisies, mm-hmm. um, A24 and Peacock to create a, a prequel series, uh, Crystal Lake. I think uh, I think I saw events. an ad for this not too long ago. Yeah, it's 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 real interesting. I uh, I don't know if you saw Hannibal, but that was a that's a show I can't really believe aired on TV. <laughs> I've heard good things about it, but no, it, it was that was never really my cup of tea. Like, I don't yeah. really watch a lot of drama stuff on on television, even though some of it has been really good. <laughs> um, yeah. Brian Fuller being attached kind of excites me. In A24, too? Like, oh, yeah. It's oh, pretty... yeah, it's certainly. <laughs> Pretty, pretty, uh, pretty stacked lineup there. So I'm pretty excited to see where that goes. But are you ready to go back to where it all began? You ready to start talking this one through? I guess so. All right. Uh, we open up in uh, in 1958 at Camp Crystal Lake. We get some uh, some counselors just singing some uh, some some spirituals. Uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> some some uh, <laughs> public domain thirst traps. Because <laughs> two of the counselors are just making like fuck eyes at each other. <laughs> I, I didn't know that was a thing in the 1950s. <laughs> I thought people didn't have like sex until the 60s at least. Yeah, yeah, they just uh, they 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 slept in their two separate beds and they would reach across and and just give each other a good handshake and then they would have four yeah, kids. We, we reproduced by budding up until then, right? <laughs> <laughs> Um, but we already start with our with our killer point of view, and our killer point of view is going through the uh, like the kids' cabins as they're sleeping um, before moving on to this. And I, I think it's kind of interesting that like I think if you're watching this and you don't know the twists, that it's like this feels really menacing, and it, it still kind of does. But like if you know the motivation that like Mrs. Voorhees is trying to protect future children, it's like she's she's checking in on the babies. She's <laughs> these kids are fine. <laughs> Sure, yeah. <laughs> for for I, another, like, eight years or so. <laughs> <laughs> Until they get old enough to start fucking. <laughs> I I found that they maybe overused this camera shot a little bit. My POV? Yeah, I, I, feel like, I feel like they were using it for times other than when you were following the killer's point of view. <laughs> like, sometimes well, they were so, just shooting scenes that way. <laughs> yeah, I mean, technically, anytime, anytime the music plays, anytime... Um, the 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 kick a kick mama ma is going on or the that eerie music mm-hmm. uh she the, the killer's around they didn't want to cheat that was like really important to them that yeah. they not uh cheat the presence of the killer by faking you out with music so there's a few times like one time in particular where uh, uh alice goes running by and like uh talking to another character and then runs back and like the the killer POV is hiding behind just like the skinniest birch tree. <laughs> yeah, this this is one of the one of the times that really kind of stuck stuck out to me. There's no way a person was standing there, and, and the people walking back and forth didn't notice it. <laughs> peripheral vision is a is a recurring motif for me. It's my friend. They 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 uh 
the interview for that and uh <laughs> summer camp school no, that's part two part two is what we're gonna boot camp um the, but the our, our 1958 teens uh decide they're gonna they're gonna sneak off and they're gonna not to go to one of their cabins they're gonna go to like the boathouse to do the to do the business sure boathouse you know, or like, maintenance shed or some just some place where various pieces of clutter are and raccoons and <laughs> spider eggs they can <laughs> fuck in a dirty blanket <laughs> surrounded by chicken wire and old photo frames and but uh the they they, they start making out they don't make too far then before somebody our, our camera apprehends them and the the young man says that uh oh we, we weren't doing nothing uh and then gets the gets run into with the dolly there's a there's a couple there's a couple kills on this movie that are just the the camera running into somebody <laughs> they really shouldn't tape knives to the front of it yeah, we'll watch we'll watch peeping thomas <laughs> um that's a, that's the killer's weapon in that movie um but then there's the 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 other the girl who i i adore that she fights back by picking up clearly empty cardboard boxes and throwing them to the side there's a lot of uh ineffective throwing weapons in this movie i mean that's also a grand friday the 13th tradition is just the the whole like well i guess i've gotten got i guess uh <laughs> the, the, I mean, the I can't just—I <laughs> gotta do something. I can't just give up. But uh, yeah, this is over. <laughs> uh, and then, yeah, freeze frame. Um, so yeah, I, I talked a little bit about this. Uh, this the score. Uh, I think it, it, it. You know, they they he sticks around for the, all the Paramount movies. Um, I think that's another thing, like why this movie, this series works so well. It's such an iconic, like you you. It's you know, taking a lot of inspiration from the the heavy lifting that the soundtrack does in Halloween, but I think it kind of, if not matches that, at least is in like the conversation with it. Sure, um, I think maybe not as iconic as as some of that stuff, but um, it was recognizable even to me who doesn't watch a lot of horror stuff. Yeah, and of course to Harry Manfredini, like did these movies in preparation for his greatest work, working on a talking cat. Um, question mark? Which he, <laughs> I think there's two question marks and an exclamation point, and that's oh. <laughs> <laughs> totally appropriate. <laughs> but but flash forward, flash forward. That's 1958. We've got uh we've got our 1980s uh, story to to catch up with. Um, again, also filmed in that part. I think it was filmed in '79, so it's uh, it's still very '70s because we're introduced to. A misdirect again. We got kind of our, our Janet Lee character here, or, or Annie, who's uh, coming to town to work at Camp Crystal Lake and checking out dog genitals. You know, she's <laughs> damn like baby. We spent a lot of time watching her just walk. <laughs> Working past like, but I think this is sort of this movie establishes uh, Crystal Lake a little bit more. There's a lot of like, there's closed towns there's a there's a diner full of people where like they're all murderers apparently <laughs> like it's, it's, uh... <laughs> yeah, she stops towns, that's for sure <laughs> she stops in and says that she's asking for directions or a ride to camp crystal lake and the the, the waitress literally goes back and turns the volume down on the radio because she doesn't have like a record to scratch <laughs> <laughs> um but yeah the uh 
she does find uh, someone who's willing to take her at least partway there, uh, a truck driver. Enos. And on, and on the on on the way out to the to his truck, they're accosted by by the original prophet of doom himself, Crazy Ralph. <laughs> yeah, my wife was downstairs when this character debuted, and uh, she laughed so hard that I had to actually pause the movie and backtrack so I could hear what was talked about when Ralph was on the screen. <laughs> You're all doomed. <laughs> <laughs> I think besides besides his general like vaudevillian caricature caricature of a uh, personality this guy is mostly um like famous for having more tendons in his neck than any other human <laughs> and and good posture and and some some real bushy eyebrows uh, uh, him riding his bike away at the end of that first scene is it's straight up out of like a circus clown <laughs> he's just there's no other he's just missing the the bright red nose <laughs> It's not a death curse. <laughs> I, I love me crazy Ralph. And if, if I had my druthers and I was sitting in the writing room for the new Crystal Lake series, we would we would open on our point of view character uh, who the locals officially have nicknamed perfectly sane Ralph. <laughs> <laughs> he would be like a like a Wilson from Home Improvement type character. <laughs> You'd only be able to see his hat over the top of a bicycle seat. The thing I've kind of forgotten about until it's brought up later in this movie is uh, later on a, a police officer says that uh, they're they're uh, on the lookout for him because they're his wife always calls and I'm just like, geez, like if you're single and you know like crazy Ralph's got partner. <laughs> yeah, how how bad do you have to be? feel as a person if you know that that guy's got somebody <laughs> but no they they uh enos says uh, oh don't 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 listen to crazy ralph he's the town prophet of doom the, the town doomsayer anyway get in my truck let me grab your ass and push you in <laughs> <laughs> yeah i noticed he was he was awfully handsy <laughs> I, I also um, like how he's telling them not to listen to ralph out of one side of his mouth while immediately turning around out of the other side and saying, yeah, but uh, fucking quit. Don't go there. <laughs> For real, though. Crazy <laughs> Ralph's right. I don't want to say this, but uh, uh, this this scene with them in the truck, they're, neither one of them is actually acting with each other. They filmed this separately, but... Uh, Ow! Just both talking into camera. Uh, I mean, once once they get in the truck, it's, it's the, it, it, the interior is all just like them reading lines into I guess camera. cameras were pretty big back then so it probably would have been difficult to to flip those shots around <laughs> but we find out a little bit more about like annie has accepted a, a summer job at camp crystal lake she's going to be the cook uh cooking for 10 counselors and up to 50 kids um we find out that the camp uh camp blood not only were there those murders there there was a boy that drowned in 57 a bunch of fires and somebody poisoned the water hole. <laughs> um, I think somebody this, needs to take a hint. <laughs> and then, you know, Enos is just like, uh, yeah, yeah, quit. And they, they, they kind of, they're, they're a little generational clash there. Like, you don't understand me, old man. Uh, and then just drops her off at the cemetery. <laughs> like, anyway, this is as far as I go and as far as you go. <laughs> Get out. <laughs> I, well you know what though 
he did say, I can take you about halfway. It's not not his fault that halfway is a cemetery. <laughs> Wonder if this is the where where Pam is buried in part four when the, the kids stop there and just look over and she's got the, the grave facing the road, the first grave. <laughs> I imagine it's gotta be, right? <laughs> um well this one was actually filmed in New Jersey. This is like the they're all set there, but there's a surprising number of Friday the 13th movies that have, like, mountains in them. You don't <laughs> say. <laughs> um, now we're introduced to a couple other camp counselors who are uh, coming to work there. We got Kevin Bacon himself. Uh, we got his uh, as Jack and uh, his girlfriend Marcy and their friend, friend Ned just driving down the street just, like, listening to, like, the banjo music from, like, moving right along from the Muppet movie or something. <laughs> It seemed really out of place. Just banjo jams. So Ned is the first jokester. Let's maybe start with Ned. Uh, I would argue that I I like almost all of the characters in this movie. And as a kid, I was like, oh, he's the funny one. I try to be funny. He's he's bad with ladies. I'm also bad with ladies. What a a character that like is uh is sympathetic and endearing and then like you watch later on and it's like the whole randy from scream thing you're like dear god like fuck die first <laughs> first you, you dipshit <laughs> how have you lived this long <laughs> even without a slasher <laughs> yeah. how has mercy not killed you yet um <laughs> They uh they get there, they meet uh the, the owner, Steve Christie. Uh strong intro for Steve Christie. Oh yeah. Oh, real. For sure. He's oozing machismo. He has a very village people vibe. He does. He's he's uh he's introduced uh in booty shorts, boots, and a and a little a kicky little scarf <laughs> that he's wearing. Uh chopping a tree stump with an axe, like with one hand on the head of the axe and one hand at the bottom of the hilt, you know, the, the best way to swing an axe. That's how you do Something it. You should... Real <laughs> lumberjacks swing the axe that way. <laughs> and they make sure that all the trees that they dig up, like, don't have any roots connecting to the ground. <laughs> that's just, I mean, that's just common sense if you want, to, want the job to be easy. <laughs> um. We find out Steve Christie has uh, has has gone twenty five thousand dollars into debt to restore his uh, his his family's summer camp, which you know seems like a real lucrative thing. Seems like a good, good even financial if it decision. didn't have all the murders attached to it. I don't know that I would have spent that much money to refurbish a summer camp. <laughs> I can't imagine they're that big of a cash cow. You think he's just really that passionate about summer camping? Well, I mean, he's he's not uh the, the, he's not our lead from from part two. He's not a he's not a big of a camping enthusiast. I don't, I don't think he's uh he's more into uh the the other counselor who's been working under him, who's been there. Uh, he's he's into Alice, who's nailing in rain gutters. Like, just what? <laughs> what are you doing? How would you attach them? <laughs> like with a screw. You just nailed them in. Most of them are nailed in, Josh. I, I hate to, I hate to dis- expose your uh, inexperience with uh, rain gutter attachment. 
they're not they're not <laughs> nailed in with regular nails. There's like big long nails <laughs> go through the whole thing. But in this movie, it's just regular ass nails. It's just yeah. it's we need to be doing something that looks vaguely camp like while we do this scene. And we did not bother to research what that right. Means. We're gonna hold this gutter up and flail a hammer at it until it sticks. <laughs> um, this is a frequent like thing that I come back with all the time. I just always have to point it out that the final girls in the Friday the Thirteenth movies are not. It's not the virgins because Alice fucks and she smokes weed in this movie. So, like I, I would even argue that like Ginny in part two, like her her uh, going out to the bar lets her survive. Yeah. Alice in this one, what's that? I'm I'm agreeing with you. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Alice in this one, uh, she just like she smokes weed and gets sleepy and goes to bed. <laughs> well, <laughs> some more people get killed. So yeah, she it not not even like in a secure area or a hidden area. She's in an office that we know the killer has already been to, and that that they they had to break into, so it's not it can't even be secured again. They already know there's active danger at this point. They've found ominous things and know their phones have been cut. It was just like, well, you get some sleep. You look tuckered out. I do feel tuckered. You are right. Um, Marijuana, not even one time. Okay, so we got got those folks. We also have uh, Bill... And, uh, and and Brenda, is there is there one of those you want to one of those folks you want to talk about first between Bill and Brenda? Yeah, no, we've got to hit the other the other folks. I mean, Jack's just Kevin Bacon. He's, he's... literally just <laughs> Kevin Bacon. <laughs> so Bill uh, also has a shirt allergy at the beginning of this movie. He's although he has like suspenders, <laughs> shirt and suspenders on. Like he's like yeah, I don't know. It's a it's a look. <laughs> Um, Bill was played by Harry Crosby, the, uh, the the son of Bing Crosby. So we got a little little nepo baby action on this. Um, which he's like he's a fine likable character in this movie. I kind of forget he's in this movie sometimes. He's a little bland, but he's a good guy. He's kind of there. Um, he's, he's nice. <laughs> yeah, but, um, yeah, he's 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 a perfectly okay dude. Um. I sometimes go to like actors wiki pages, just like, oh, what's has this person been in anything else? Is this what what are the what are they up to these days? Um, and my my joy is when I discover that they are a person that like maintains their own Wikipedia page because nobody else but that actual person would like list their acting and like uh, entertainment career and like little tiny two paragraph summaries and then have like a 10 paragraph description of uh, how exciting their work in finance is. <laughs> <laughs> Where he really took off was the world of <laughs> he, he yeah. did this he, much or... <laughs> if you can't make as an actor, you got to kind of come up with a cover story, right? <laughs> some, some reason <laughs> passion was really in finance. Yeah. Yeah. Or like uh, being tangentially related to jazz. That's the other, the other thing that he's done. He plays jazz sometimes and has met this jazz musician. <laughs> um, Does, is that really Wikipedia worthy? I mean, if you're maintaining your own page and you're also like not enough of a big deal that, that like the editors are going to come and check your work. <laughs> you just put whatever you want, I guess. <laughs> um, 
let's let's talk about Brenda because I think I think Brenda's a real one. She's a she's the one who like later on when there's a, a fake drowning like blows past Kevin Bacon and does like a perfect dive in the water to to save the day. Just like a little yeah. of action, man. Kevin Bacon's dive in comparison is is not great. Just a belly flop. Just a straight up belly flop. Real disappointing. Um, a little bit. Um, Brenda also like later on leads that uh, that strip monopoly game, mm-hmm. and like she seems a little bit interested in playing that game with Bill, and very interested in playing that game with Alice. I think Brenda's a real cool chick. <laughs> She's like, let's play strip monopoly. Oh yeah, see if there's any more of that grass around. <laughs> yeah, more beer like a, she, she is all about loosening inhibitions that's <laughs> we're gonna we're gonna party <laughs> we're gonna party and if anybody gets in trouble i i got your back i'm gonna I'm, I'm i'm the one you want helping you out i think there's a real reason why she goes the way that she does like nobody else gets tricked like brenda does um but one of the things that like brenda's introduced because like ned is trying to find somebody to get with and like he he kind of settles in on the only other available lady brenda and and jesus christ like brenda would like break ned in half like she i'm surprised he uh, hasn't already because his idea of flirting is buck wild shooting a fucking arrow shooting an arrow (laughs) While they're putting up targets, just like shooting yeah. an arrow a foot in front of them. Yeah, it, it's it's it barely misses her. <laughs> there should just be like an extended sequence of like everyone else just beating the shit out of Ned. <laughs> I'd watch it. Yeah, no, it's uh, that 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 should be a deleted scene. Um, but now after we like established all this, we move back to our our camp cook. We we get back to Annie who's hitchhiking. And she gets picked up by a Jeep, which uh, is going to be a red herring later on because her and Steve both have Jeeps. True. But but no, they're different Jeeps. Um, She gets picked up by somebody. We don't hear them. We don't see them. But they drive past Crystal Lake. And uh, Robbie Morgan, who plays Annie, um, actually did this. She was a a gymnast. She did this uh, stunt herself, the the, the tuck and roll out of the car. Um, Good for her. Pretty pretty cool little stunt for a like very low budget movie. <laughs> I, don't know if, I don't know if I would have let them talk me into doing it. Yeah, it doesn't but, seem uh, like the safest place to do it at either. Yeah. Into the, a the rocky thing ditch. Like, <laughs> Jump yeah. out of the speeding car into a rocky ditch. Just, uh, hope for the best. <laughs> yeah, land on your neck. <laughs> um, gymnast, right? <laughs> I do love that she's like, uh, I, I don't know how she connects this in her head, but she's like, well, I'm going to be a cook at a summer camp. I got to chase my dreams. I'm just like, huh, okay. Opportunities like this don't come around too often, Josh. <laughs> Cross one up on like the dream board and just. <laughs> um, but no, she, she realizes she's in danger because the, the driver is, just keeps speeding and is not responding. And she, she does the dive. Uh, she goes fleeing off through the woods, and um, we get one of those threat slashes you were talking about. Um, yeah, it's good. This is the one that's <laughs> it's good. Really, it's real good. <laughs> and it's like, uh, 
I feel like you don't see him much like this where you like actually see like the separation and then like it takes the moment before the blood comes out. It, it yeah. feels like very real and raw, even though it's like pretty legit. You know. <laughs> um so so goodbye, goodbye, Annie. You are you are not our final girl, you are not our main character. Um but uh yeah, let's we 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 go back to camp. There's a there's a thunderstorm uh gonna be blowing in after uh we there, there's some more bonding between these folks. There's that fake drowning that Ned does. He pulls the the smalls move, the CPR the 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 fake mouth to mouth resuscitation move on Brenda. I, I would have tied his ass into a canoe and just sent it back out there. <laughs> Let him yeah. sit for a while. <laughs> I love that our like our hero of this movie is the one who just stands on the end of the dock with a uh, a life preserver and everyone else comes bringing him back in and they're hauling him up and she just like puts the life preserver in the water right by the dock. She's a real woman of action. There's also some danger here that's established that, uh, uh, sorry, Jed, you just, you watched a real animal die. You watched, uh, there's a, there's I was... a snake scene. I was going to ask if this was an actual animal because I don't know how they could have done it otherwise. Yeah, uh, I feel like this movie doesn't get brought up in the same conversation as like Cannibal Holocaust, which most people hate for the same reason. But yeah, they just they just fucking killed a snake. They just uh, chopped its head they off. Just, they just chopped it up uh, after this, you know a... tearing apart the interior of the cabin for some reason. I think maybe this is just to kind of establish that these are like mostly city kids that don't really know what they're doing. But uh, yeah. and also like maybe to give the glimmer of bloodlust in Bill's eyes after he after he chops the snake. He's pretty wonders keen what he's done. <laughs> um, what else happens here? Oh, the uh, the local law enforcement comes to warn them that crazy Ralph might be coming down. Uh, Officer Dorf, which is it's great to see that he's like taller than I remembered. He's not uh, playing golf. He's <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I didn't catch his knees, but they didn't seem to have shoes on them. So, <laughs> um, and again, like every scene that Ned's in, it's like dressed in Indian headdress, just doing war cries. <laughs> <laughs> this, I mean. This is not his most egregious, but this is probably his most irritating. Yeah, no, he's he's awful. And and also they they do the uh, he and Marcy both do the fight, the 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 Friday the 13th tradition of like a lot of like quoting movies from the 40s and vaudeville shtick. (laughs) I I noticed that I I was wondering who that was for. You know, the the 40 year old guy who wrote the movie, probably (laughs) real in touch with the kids. Kids these days are real into, you know, Catherine Hepburn vehicles from the mid-teens. <laughs> um, which, like, you know, if you start doing the math on, like, when this came out versus when that stuff came out and, like, where we are today, maybe that's a little depressing. <laughs> like, oh, it was, like, 1997 for them. Oh, okay. <laughs> I mean, I guess it's not so out of... Uh unthinkable considering stuff like ninja turtles the movie was quoting like jimmy cagney and doing impressions <laughs> um but yeah uh crazy ralph does does after he's been warned about him uh and, and the, this cop by the way 
I don't know if you knew this or if you could figure it out from uh, watching the movie, has ne- had never driven a motorcycle before. And uh, the, the I, quality I, I of wondered if the, the hard cut as he was driving away because he totally <laughs> ate it on the gravel road. Just into a tree. <laughs> um, Crazy Ralph does show up and he uh, he warns them all. He's a, he's a messenger of God. <laughs> God. God sent me. Also, like, if y'all are going to have sex later, please do it close to a window. <laughs> God <laughs> commands you. <laughs> and and doom. <laughs> doom, don't doom. Don't doom. Um, this this plays really well, like in the Arby's drive-through. I found too. Like if just just a lot of this dialogue. If you... <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, the kids just kind of keep going about about their their business. Uh, they they have to go maintain the generator, and you know, I, I, Ned just like, oh, look at this macho man doing something useful. I'm gonna sit here. <laughs> yeah, they're in the they're in the kitchen making dinner, and he's commenting on uh, the women cooking and how, how the squaws are revolting. And then there's a problem with the electricity, so the two other useful people go to investigate the generator to get the electricity going. And he basically just they're like, well, Ned, you stay here and have a hamburger. <laughs> Why don't you go in the other room and just shut up some? Um, um, but it's 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 starting to get dark, and we're uh, we're about to get into like the horror part again of this of this horror movie. We had uh, the the killer is is in camp. We're we're seeing from some a few POV shots. Brenda sees somebody out in the woods while they're swimming. Yeah. Um, and then uh, Ned sees somebody go into a cabin and uh, decides to follow and investigate. We find out what happens to Ned later on. Yeah. <laughs> For now, that um, story I'm is fine. <laughs> <laughs> I'm fine. Um, we get a little scene here between between Jack and Marcy, where uh, I, I feel like this is some of like the character work between like the on like the victims that you don't get as much in some of the later movies. That's one of the things I kind of like a little bit more about this one is they they give a little development where Marcy's talking about like this nightmare she had as a as a, as a kid where she was right. her fear of storms. Yeah. And how Slayer's Raining Blood was playing or something like that, right? Cause it's, uh... Yeah, I think that's what I got out of it. <laughs> Before they go into the cabin that Ned went into and to, to continue their uh, their their youthful lust for each other and they're yeah, they fuck. making out. Yeah, I don't quite know how they miss Ned. They settle in a bunk bed and we see that as they're having sex, they're on the bottom bunk and Ned's on the top bunk. With his throat slit. I'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt here because it does look like there is maybe luggage or something piled up there as well. Like a bag or something in front of it. And also, it was getting dark, and they basically, they put their flashlight out and go by candlelight. With the shadows and the, you know, the stuff that's on the bed already, I I could see them overlooking him. (laughs) (laughs) It is definitely possible, but it is always funny to me that they, like, they come in the scene. That's like, I know the gag. I know where he's at. Yeah, and as you see them walk by the other bunk beds, they're like the the top bunk is well below eye line for them. Yeah, <laughs> they, they settle on the bed there. Sometimes movies <laughs> have to happen, Josh. That's my line usually. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody <laughs> ever finds Ned though, do they? I mean, I think the I think the police do eventually. Well, yeah, obviously, but, the police do eventually. And, and, <laughs> and uh, 
I, I mean, Kevin Bacon knows blood's coming from somewhere. Um, he doesn't give very long after, to think about it, though. No, no, because after after he and Marcy have sex, Marcy goes to go to the bathroom. He doesn't he, put her pants he on. He smokes it's a jay. Weird. What's that? I think it's a weird choice for her to put a raincoat on, but not With pants. pants. <laughs> I think it's an even weirder choice for her to go into a campground bathroom barefoot. But that's also that's also ah, it's the seventies. <laughs> <laughs> we we all had ringworms back then. <laughs> it was fine, um, but the, the 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 blood starts to to drip on his face from above, and you get I, I think the most iconic death from this movie. I mean, first of all, it's just real cool. Second of all, it's Kevin Bacon. Um, curious what you thought about this. if you if you had seen this footage from like the other movies, if you remembered it or if. Uh, this, this gag worked for you well. The the arrow through the neck, through the bed. I wasn't sure what actually was stabbed through his neck. I just it was it was a pretty neat uh, death. <laughs> yeah, it's it, again one of those ones that like I, I think the thing that always gets me in this movie too is like I expect Jason to be strong. He's like a, a mutant monster that becomes like a super powered undead creature. Like yeah, y- yeah, he's a he's strong. It always throws me off. Like his mom, who's Betsy Palmer, like late middle-aged actress, is able to <laughs> under a bed with no leverage. Yeah, through. I wonder about the <laughs> the logistics of getting a an arrow <laughs> to stand upright <laughs> under a bed. Just just the room you would need to like push it through with any sort of leverage. Exactly. Yeah, this is, doesn't seem possible. But maybe she cut up some yeah. part of the floor out. <laughs> It's also some good foresight. Like, again, like, I think both Jason and his mom are, like, very acutely aware of, like, where and how you're going to be having sex. They're, they know, like, <laughs> like, oh, this is a fuck bed. <laughs> the, the best example of uh, slasher killer foresight in this movie is when she waits for Steve by the camp sign at the entrance of the camp. <laughs> I, she had no idea he was coming. He 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 walked there. It wasn't like he drove a car up to even give his position away. <laughs> On a dark, stormy night, but I, yeah. I guess he's he's wearing like a yellow rain raincoat. He stands out, but uh... sure. But what was she doing by the the entrance to the camp at that point? She was already knee deep in dead teenagers at this point, at this point in the movie. <laughs> young adults, they're young adults. It, se- it seems like a weird time to to go away from <laughs> the cabins where the kids are. Yeah. there's a lot of stuff in this movie where i want to see like nemesis Voorhees. he's like pov um that's not like the stocking stuff just the, the logistics of like well i threw brenda through this window now i gotta go get in my jeep and drive up and pretend we just got here <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah the, a little bit of that yeah. <laughs> um so uh, while while this is going on, while Jack and Marcy's whole whole thing's happening, back at the cabin is where we get that strip monopoly game starting. Mm-hmm. Um, Bill brought his guitar. He's like playing Wonderwall or whatever. Before Brenda's just like, "Hey, let's do anything the fuck else right now." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Alice is like, "That's really good." And Mar and uh, what's her name? Is it Brenda? Brenda. Brenda. She's <laughs> like, "Yeah, that's real good. Let's uh, take our clothes off." <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> I don't want to listen to this douche play the guitar anymore. Um, so they're, they're doing this while like the 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 Ned and uh, the Jack and Mercy stuff's going down. Um, Mercy goes to uh, to use this restroom, does does some shtick by herself, 
Um, I kind of like this sequence. This is a a fun little bit where she's in she's in the bathroom and we know the killer's coming after her. We don't know where the killer's coming from, um, but she knows something's there. And she starts investigating, and uh, she goes like shower stall to sit shower stall. They're all empty. She's like, mm-hmm. "Oh, I've just worked myself up." And then you see the the shadow of the axe raise up behind her. Um, cool gag. And it's another like uh, really neat effect where uh, she gets that axe buried in her face, and it's just a foam axe. Yeah. But I think what's actually really cool about it and how they like got it to work um, is that the the scene before where it lifts up and it hits that one dangly light in the yeah. bathroom. Like it actually tings, so you get like a real axe for that shot. So when the axe hits the face, and it's a you know a, a prop axe, mm-hmm. it feels heavier and real. Right. Uh, I think I think this this, is... this looked real good, and uh, the again the practical effect was very convincing. Yeah. Um, Marcy's another one who like she turns and just there's somebody with an axe, and she was just like, well. Yeah. <laughs> not even gonna put my hands up <laughs> no nah, she just kind of watches it <laughs> she's got her eye on the ball <laughs> she also does the um i don't know if she just misread the line or if there's like some various i've never heard ollie ollie in free i've heard how ollie ollie, ollie oxen free and ollie ollie like all in free i it's just really I've really strange to me free. i've never heard <laughs> never heard any of the other variations <laughs> she says there at times like what? what? The seven. Um, uh, so the the uh, the storm kicks in. So our our main group does have to split up because Brenda is going to leave the main cabin because she thinks that she left the windows in her cabin open. Mm-hmm. Um, so she heads out. And while this is going down too, the, you've also got we we check in with Steve Christie. At the diner, apparently getting served by my grandmother Barb. <laughs> before. My, my wife said that this person looked exactly like her grandmother as well. Yeah. <laughs> the very grandmother-looking yeah. waitress. Yeah, who uh, is who's thirsty for Steve Steve Christie's dick. <laughs> and wouldn't be. You seen that scarf? <laughs> That's uh, she's she's seen that mustache. She knows that they're that gives good rides. So. <laughs> The, this price total in the diner too, which always kills me. Like, oh, you your full meal, two dollars and seventy cents. Well, you right. keep that thirty cents. <laughs> Goes and slaps your boss and quits. <laughs> yeah, that thirty cents. That's a that's a pretty hefty tip back then. <laughs> um, the so so Brenda. This is kind of like a multi-stage one because she she also goes into the bathroom and is like the, the killer's in the bathroom with her, um. So it's a little bit more suspenseful. Like she got that you got that lead up there, and then she goes back, puts on her own like full length nightgown, which like boy that doesn't seem like the choice to wear to bed that somebody was trying to get like two people in bed with her earlier would <laughs> like. Well, you know, her, I guess her boy didn't work so. <laughs> <laughs> At least it's it's pressed pause on that she's got all she's got the rest of the summer i guess he's dressing for comfort uh, now <laughs> I, I, I love that like again the uh, when she leaves the game it's right after alice loses like he has to pay rent for the first time and is taking off her shirt and just ignores bill stares alice straight in the face and is just like just when it was getting interesting <laughs> <laughs> like dang brenda <laughs> well, i mean she knows um, what she wants yeah yeah uh 
but this is this is where th- there's a new new bag of uh of tricks in mrs Voorhees' uh arsenal new new arrow in her quiver uh brenda hears a voice call out help me um and then like do, do you think like miss Voorhees also maybe has like a couple couple pup like puppets with her maybe like two really racist ones like a like a real jeff dunham type <laughs> Yeah, one with a turban, one that's a skeleton, one that's just like a jalapeno on a stick. Yeah, yeah, that's uh, that's that's the guy. Uh, um, but Brenda, this is another one where we kind of get like we never really find out like the cause of death here. She just she goes out to the archery range because she's called by this voice, and then the lights turn on, and then later on she just has like some rope around her. Yeah, I think the cause of death is really unclear with her. Um, the other guy, well, yeah, I, I'm terrible with names. The other, Mark, is that right? Bill? Bill, Bill, that's the one. Yeah, yeah. he gets all the arrows. <laughs> yeah, I, I think I, I sort of usually, tr- like, remember her getting shot just because of where she is. I'm like, oh, right. she gets shot with arrows. But, like, when you actually see her, she gets thrown through a window. And she has rope around her. Also, like, I don't know if this is a, a movie choice or just an acting thing. She's clearly uh, not dead. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just kind of stirring about. <laughs> um, no, Bill later on, he they, they have a little bit of a sequence. And, like, I think the thing that keeps this movie for me out of kind of my top tier of Friday the 13th movies is I feel like after Brenda gets got, the, the third act's just not as interesting as some of the other ones. Because it's really just, like, them investigating a lot and then coming back and forth to, like, the same couple locations. Um, which, yeah, there's still some... Does. It does slow down a little. Bit. The kills come pretty pretty quick, and then there's a, a little draggy part between, you know, the last two and the final girl. Yeah, and it's um, they very purposely wanted to make this like a roller coaster type experience. And as much as I'm kind of goofing on it, like I think it works really well in that regard. I think it like you ask these questions in hindsight, but it's kind of one of those movies where you're when you're watching it, it's like okay, mm-hmm. you got me. You showed me something cool. You're moving me from point A to point B. Like it, it doesn't really drag and it's not really boring. And then like it hits this wall where it's just, it's just Bill and Alice kind of wandering around finding things for a while and like turning the generator back on and off and like getting the water working again. And, mm-hmm. <laughs> it's just a lot, a lot of maintenance. And I think something's like going on here. Um, but, you know, there's, there, I, I they the first thing that they find is they find in like they're looking for Brenda, and they find the uh, the axe that was in Marcy's head. That boy, that that thing must have gotten cleaned off pretty well. It's got like just a t- tiny little bit of blood on the. On the it's very the rainy outside. I don't know if you noticed. <laughs> <laughs> um, they go they go looking for her. They go looking for everybody else. They can't find anybody. They go to the office and. Uh, Try the phone and the payphone. Like what? What's going on with this kid? This <laughs> is it's like a like a also like a former prison or something. What is? Why do they have a payphone there? Oh, uh, I mean, I remember <laughs> having. I remember having a payphone at the summer camp that I went. Okay, they, they, I think they, they it was so there, that. Huh? Yeah, I mean, I, th- I think it was so that kids could call home, but that they wouldn't just call home for no reason. Like it was kind of a. <laughs> If it's important, you can use it. Okay, because you you've got like campground in your family, right? This is, I think, that's a uh, <laughs> yeah, go way back. 
<laughs> deep camping lore. I, I forget if I asked you last time for part two if your if your family's campground was uh, also a, a training camp for other camp counselors. Looking for two. I, I don't think we ever got there, but uh, you know maybe at some point. <laughs> um, Steve is still coming back into town. He gets he gets picked up by the cop as his jeep breaks down in the, in the storm. Also, like bad bad at putting up gutters, bad at pulling out trees, bad at bad at owning a jeep. What is he? Good at? Steve Christie <laughs> has like a, a conversation about like uh, the the Friday the Thirteenth and the full moon and how there's more more homicides and terrible things that happen and they get a little bit into like this a drunken conversation i feel like we'd have like one of, with one of our friends about like these coincidences i'm, I'm on the side <laughs> with this conversation though <laughs> yeah. but this is where he gets got and does the whole like oh it's you <laughs> yeah, what are you doing out in this mess <laughs> <laughs> hello person i know <laughs> before he gets run into but with the, with the camera and just <laughs> all <it> takes <laughs> um so this, this is when alice goes 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 sleepy time goes, goes nighty night um while bill goes to go check on the generator again um i think also like the pacing of this movie is not helped by like no we really got to make sure he's checked the generator we got to make sure he gets the ruler out checking the full sure level checks the charts <laughs> look at the wiring spark plugs <laughs> flipping switches like i feel like they also got funding for this movie from like the generator people like well could you also make this like an infomercial about how generators work <laughs> <laughs> generators almost as much of a character i think like the generator really is the the fifth girl <laughs> um but the you know the we hear the score and we know somebody's coming up behind bill so when alice wakes up and, and screams bill uh and goes to go look for him um he finds him uh like you you said full of arrows but throat slit and not just full of arrows pinned to the door of the generator cabin with yeah <laughs> a lot of arrows this, this seemed like overkill did he did he say something about her mom? <laughs> <laughs> what a terrible cable mixer. <laughs> Bad mouthing Jason. <laughs> you know, there's this kid I've never met. But I heard there's a boy that drowned here and he was a real goober. <laughs> I hope it was him. <laughs> this kid I never met that drowned here. <laughs> um but like again, like the afterwards uh she comes like running back to the to the cabin ties and like there's a big long scene of her like tying the rope to the door uh apparently the cabin is outside the main cabin because the door opens out <laughs> just strange <laughs> she tie, ties the rope to it she and ties piles the rope, stuff she does a great job of tying the rope to it to secure the door shut and then i have no idea what the piling everything in front of the door was supposed to be for. Thing a grand final thirteenth tradition. <laughs> Got to hit ninety minutes, man. <laughs> I love that. Like she's piling stuff up in front of the door, and then there's like a a piano. <laughs> well, I, yeah, I'll just leave that one there. <laughs> she's only one person. She would do. She would do really bad at the at the at Resident Evil Four in that cabin scene. <laughs> oh yeah. Oh for sure. <laughs> <laughs> um, but she goes to like uh. 
she she hides in the in the in the kitchen um when brenda comes sailing through the windows again like the, you see uh betsy you see mrs Voorhees later on like i really want to see the the cutaway of mrs Voorhees picking up brenda who's like she's not like a thick girl but she's not small <laughs> I mean, <laughs> picking up picking up any person, like a regular sized person, <laughs> is not something that you can easily do. Oh, I should say it's not that difficult to pick someone up, but hucking them through a, a closed window is, is maybe not something that you can just do. And you know, uh, I didn't mention it earlier, but like you know, the the logo coming through that that window, just like there's a lot of explosions in the Friday the Thirteenth movies, so actually seeing a window break. Instead of the explosion for the title, a lot of windows break in these movies, man. That's uh, <laughs> the I mean, start of the birth of a tradition. Yeah, the defenestration, definitely a thing. <laughs> um, I like that she's got uh, her weapons of choice are like a baseball bat and a barbecue fork. <laughs> dig around for that barbecue fork. That's her favorite one. <laughs> It's, it's and the, the the baseball bat is she about to fight Raphael? That's a sign Jose Canseco. Well, don't I mean don't worry about it too much because she doesn't have them for long. She puts them down almost immediately. Yeah. <laughs> well, she's she's scared and then uh, she hears a vehicle pull up, so she undoes all the stuff that she just did. <laughs> runs runs out to uh, she sees it's she a jeep. Meet, she thinks it's Steve. It's Steve, yeah. Um, but it's, but it's Mrs. Voorhees, a, a, an old friend of the Christie's. Um, I think I mentioned like in one, in one of our earlier Friday the 13th episodes that this is like, it has a weird structure where it's a, a whodunit where the who that done it isn't introduced until like the last 15 minutes of the movie. I thought that, I thought that was strange as well. Like, I, I think it would, well, I mean, without giving away, you know, the, the sale of this movie, I, I think it doesn't work quite so well if you don't have any idea who the killer could possibly be or even really good hints at it until so late. Yeah. I mean, the only thing that you get that's like really any sort of indication is the, um, is the truck driver talking about all the bad stuff that happened there and mentioning that the boy drowned. That's like, that's it. Like you get, you get nothing else about this Jason backstory until, until she comes in and cause she's uh, presenting herself as a force for, to, I, I, I'm gonna, I'm gonna help you out, and, which, and you know, which, like Alice like, is saying, why does she put on the show? <laughs> why, why the dog and pony show for the last person? Well, I think I really think that she's like, and and how Betsy Palmer is playing her is like somebody who's gone off their rocker. Like I, I think in this moment she's a little bit more lucid, and she also provides like the exposition and stuff. But then she kind of slips back into. Yeah, there's definitely the a moment where mode. she's kind of explaining, you know, what happens here, and you can kind of see it slip away. No, and I, I, I do really love just this, uh, this congenial, like immediately undercut by like the, uh, you know, she comes in, sees Brenda, just like, oh, she's she's so young and so pretty, and like the camera's like completely obscured, <laughs> except for like her like arm or something. Yeah, <laughs> that's supposed to be like the point of view she's looking at. Um, and then instead of saying like, oh, my God, this is like terrifying. She just she starts going into, oh, my God, this place. It's this. Place that did it. Yeah. <laughs> um, 
and she starts telling the 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 backstory about um, being a cook at Camp Crystal Lake and uh, working and working there with she had brought her son with her and her son was I guess swimming in the middle of the night just <laughs> going out for a little night swimming and nobody was nobody was watching him which like you don't think the counselors uh, were doing some uh, afternoon delight. <laughs> Well, I mean, with what we're shown, it looks unless they're shooting night for day, like it looks very dark. Chicks <laughs> out there, like drowning, um, and he's he's talking a lot, which is like for a character that never talks in any of the other movies, really, except for like a grunt now and then. Uh, what happens when you he's, stop he's, talking? <laughs> that is one of the things that happens. <laughs> you, you do shut up. Um, but yeah, the, the, in the flashbacks, and again, this is like kind of where you first see Jason for the first time. So, um, when she's describing him as like Jason was, and then like pauses and like, not a very good swimmer. Um, you can just like see him kind of in gradual closer up and see that there's like, there's something wrong with him. There's, he's a, he's a deformed special needs kid. Um, so yeah, that's what that's what has her flip the switch, and then she flashes that buck knife, <laughs> pulls pulls it out, and we get this like uh, it's this cat and a mouse chase, but it's not. It, it does go on a bit long. I don't think it's. I know you didn't like the one and two as much. I like the one and two quite a bit. This one, mm, uh, it's okay. <laughs> it's, it's 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 got some parts that are all right, um, but a lot of it kind of blurs together for me. I don't know how you felt about it. I. I think I, I think I do like this one a little more than than the one and two. Uh, okay. I think the, the problems I had in two were that it it wasn't like you say it was cat and mouse, but they were like literally hiding on the other side of a tree from each other for most of it. There's um, some or, of that here. There's there's some of that where it's like she's hiding behind like those docks or whatever. Like the, yeah, the, I, I thought that was kind of a laughable hiding spot. But there, I mean, yeah. there is like there's they tussle with each other and then Pam gets knocked out giving you know alice a chance to run a little bit and get some get some distance um yeah so there is a little bit more of that uh escape and, and some conflict there it's not just someone running blindly through the night but she does run into the uh she runs into the boathouse and apparently uh what steve christie sunk that twenty five thousand dollars in was just the like armory for the end times that he has in there it's i like will, I will like, say that when i want when i watch this <laughs> a couple days ago, my first thought was, what the fuck are all these guns doing here? And then I thought about it for a second and realized most summer camps do have a, a like a shooting range. They have the archery thing and then they have a shooting range. So these are small mm-hmm. caliber rifles, probably perfect for kids to use at a shooting range. I, I don't this is not that weird <laughs> if you've been to a summer camp. <laughs> um, but they don't have bullets. So she's just trying to hold her off. Right. And like, but you can't you can't psych out. Mrs. Voorhees, she's just, just going to walk at you because what, what are you going to do? Uh, so she just she throws, from. <laughs> <laughs> she throws the gun at her and then she picks up a bundle of twine. <laughs> this is like, this is more just, of that uh, ineffective throwing weapons. She she throws like a tiny little stick at her at first and then the ball of twine. <laughs> <laughs> Bag of feathers. Like, <laughs> <laughs> she just... She, Blows at her really hard. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I, I love that like there's there's the initial confrontation which has got like uh, you know fireplace poker and 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 
other weapons and you've got this like gun confrontation and then they just get into a slapping fight <laughs> well you you say slapping fight is pretty one-sided <laughs> um but she's able to like knock her back and get away she gets back to like the main cabin um she she hides in the pantry in the pantry brenda appears still not quite dead yet. <laughs> this actress right, yeah, she's still still kind of like like, rolling around the floor groaning saying i'm not dead yet <laughs> i've just been i've just been uh tied up very loosely please <laughs> <laughs> this when they're when alice was running away and hiding uh this is after pam had turned the she had the generator off but she went and turned it back on so she'd be able to see stuff better pam goes into the one of the houses surrounded by other houses with the lights on and turns all the lights off like that's not a dead giveaway where she is and then tries to just like immediately hide back in the corner first like behind <laughs> shelving <laughs> sneaking like, behind a cabinet like, <laughs> before she goes into the pantry she she hides in, in there and then gets into like a a, a Pan versus machine. <laughs> the pan wins. She gives um, the hook along. <laughs> but you know, you're allowed to hit her again, Alice. <laughs> no, she's bleeding a little bit. You know that's over. <laughs> um, but before they finally end up like uh down down by the water, um, yeah. and uh, you know, Alice is a real narcissist, just staring at her, staring at her reflection in in, in the lake. She's been through a lot. Um, <laughs> and then did you know that uh yun woping uh, choreographed this fight scene i thought so Between, uh, there were some definitely some signature moves here <laughs> I, it is a little funny that like they just they, they really kind of stretch this out and it's like again uh you know a, a young woman who's not like combat trained or even stage fight trained versus like a uh, generously late middle age <laughs> star just doing a lot of a lot of tussling, just a lot of a lot of rolling, <laughs> a lot of grabbing and shaking. <laughs> um, I think my favorite move is the uh, the broken oar dive. The, <laughs> I'm just gonna dive towards you with this broken oar into the. <laughs> um. But eventually, eventually, uh, the the loose machete is recovered by Alice, and she runs. And we get the iconic slow motion chop off of the head. Uh, it's a good decapitation. It's, uh, it's another again, you, like, solid if, practical if, effect. <laughs> yeah, you 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 watch it again, and you'll you'll notice a few things. You'll notice that it's the head was being held there with toothpicks. There's toothpicks are still sticking up, um, and you'll also notice that because. You know, Betsy Palmer wasn't actually there. It was a, a dummy. The, the the hands that go up and and grasp at the air are like have very hairy knuckles, <laughs> very giant hands. <laughs> oh no, I've been decapitated. Uh. <laughs> um, but so this this ending, uh, the the I, I would argue again, like I I think I've said before, like what the birth of the franchise this not just being a one-off like weird successful horror movie but a thing that launched 11 movies that came after it um is alice's decision to after the, this trauma get in a canoe and light out for the territories like uh just, like just like huck finn here. <laughs> trying to find <laughs> <the> just, <passage>. <laughs> <laughs> like you do 
Um, and, and that, uh, like Ron Kurz, uh, after being asked to punch up the, the ending a little bit, consulted with Tom Savini and Tom Savini is like, I just saw Carrie do that to <laughs> do a Carrie. Fair enough. Um, so they did. And they had like, they hit on this idea kind of halfway through filming and, uh, they, they were filming in the fall. They kept having to like reshoot it. Um, because they, Sean Cunningham, like, didn't think they had it right until, like, eventually they were filming this, like, in October. So, you know, that water, <laughs> real, real, real great to be pulled into a, a lake in, you know, on, on the Atlantic seaboard in the middle mm-hmm. of October. Um, yeah, but I, I think this works kind of the same way that that carry ending does. Like, the, I don't know if you remember us talking about the carry ending where it was, like, filmed backwards and, like, the, the, the music was just so disarming because like the rest of the music is so jarring and you have this like dramatic, really laying it in, like everything's okay music before the big jump scare. And it comes on an off beat. Right. Jason jumping out of the water is like not it's off center of frame. It's uh, there's a lot of stuff that like makes this work and makes it the reason that people like walked out of the theater with Jason fever <laughs> <laughs> this like plot device character, this like motive. It's, it's like nothing but a motive in this movie. Right. And it, it's but. it's kind of wild because nothing really else in this movie hinted at any sort of supernatural or paranormal uh, things happening. It, it was all, you know, you could all you could reasonably assume that Mrs. Voorhees yeah. did all of this stuff before. And in, in, in a certain way, that's like. I, I I I loves me a Jason. I have I have multiple pieces of of Jason Voorhees clothing to wear around, but um in some ways like Mrs. Voorhees is scared because she's like she's a part of the community. She's like this this mm-hmm. person who's been going out and doing all this stuff, but is like it's it's is able to like turn on the switch like that. And I they think I don't know. It's a uh, it's interesting that they 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 popped in this carry ending to make the the ending work. Uh, a little bit better to make their to, to give you one last little jolt before you walk out of the theater and that yeah. that becomes this like phenomenon where people are still talking about this dumb shit like, like you know 40 something years later yeah um yeah it's it's kind of a you know it's it's like looking back at the first fast and furious movie and realizing that they're like selling tv vcr like combo units <laughs> <laughs> before like flying you know in the last one like God. flying into space and driving cars off of missiles and stuff. <laughs> driving cars up buildings into the atmosphere <laughs> um but yeah that dream sequence happens where it's uh she sees the cops on the shore and, and is pulled in by jason and then she wakes up and is asking about everybody and everybody's dead and it ends on that note of then he's still out there um because they didn't find the boy that she's referring to always meant to be a dream sequence always meant to just be a, a thing to kind of end, like send you home a little ill at ease with if they had just left it at her waking up in the hospital i could see that but it seems to come back to the lake i mean it seems really intentional that they kept kept hammering on the boy in the hospital scene yeah and then they they, they go back to the lake and if there's like a you know a, the still waters and you see like one ripple appear yeah in the surface of the lake no it's um i again like i I think it's just they just wanted the ending to pop a little bit more and unfortunately it well fortunately for me but like Mm -hmm. you know 
they they weren't super happy about like after Paramount bought this and decided to make sequels that that's the direction they went with. But um, yeah, it's a it's a real interesting kind of birth for the, this for the series. Um, so yeah, is there is there other stuff you want to talk about? I could talk Friday the Thirteenth. Oh, I know you uh, for a long time. <laughs> Uh, no, I don't. I don't think I have anything else that I want, I need to point out here. I think we we, we got most of it. Okay. Yeah. So I mean, like, sale on this one. I I've kind of said a few times this is this is not my favorite of the series. I think this is like in a Shaggy Dog series. This might be the shaggiest dog, mm-hmm. but like I think it's also for the budget and for like a, kind of the stuff I was saying up up front with how it engages with like the genre of the slasher when everybody else was trying to be like oh like uh michael myers in this movie we need to do that but we need to make it a character study or we need to make it like a you know inspire like this this um true crime headline story or like more like a giallo um it doesn't this this one kind of like boils it down to its base components this is this is kind of the pure stuff there's still some rough around the edges stuff but i think they get at the idea of what the slasher would be that there's a reason that like this is the one that gets copied kind of going forward um and and i think like a lot of that stuff works i think like the that we kind of talked about it before but like the you got like a pretty good cast like there's some there's definitely some outliers but i think for the most part like these kids are all uh they're all likable for except mm-hmm. for ned um and then it, you don't kind of get the thing that you get in the later uh friday the 13th where like you're kind of you're almost kind of more on jason's side because you just want people to get picked off except for ned um you it's you know you kind of like these folks they're they're archetypes they're not really drawn out like super extensively but um i, I don't think that they're but, really like there are some tropey characters here but yeah. this is so early that the tropes haven't been super well established so they're not super tropey yeah and and while you actually you have like a very sympathetic killer as well but you're you're not on her side you're not no. on like she's clearly crazy and doing monstrous things but but she's also got like but you can a, understand yeah yeah it's a it's a good motive even if it's not like a and i don't necessarily think that like all mysteries have to be like solvable by the audience to be like good like it, maybe there is something to, to to be said for like we're often not aware of our role in somebody else's story <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> that all these people who are getting picked off were uh they didn't have a chance to really know why um i I think this uh it's an it's an interesting artifact for like the series i love it's like again not my favorite but it's like i still like going back to this one and i think um kind of for the reasons i've outlined above i'm curious where this one lands for you because it's like it's it's not wildly different from the other friday the 13th movies we've covered but it's kind of different it's like it's got that mystery element that hasn't been any of the ones that we've watched so far i'm curious where Um, you landed with it all right. Well, uh, come out and say it. This is this this is a sale for me, um, and kind of I think it's the best one that we've watched so far. Oh, more 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 than final chapter. Nice. Okay. Yeah. Um, I don't think it's. I, I know you kind of joked around about you know will the lack of Jason be <laughs> what Jed needs to to come around in this series. I don't think that's necessarily it. I just think um I think it is a lot of the stuff that we kind of talked about where 
the performances are good. The characters are are given a chance to breathe a little bit. Um, it's, some of the not being so tropey really does kind of help. Like, there are times when watching a movie from a long time ago can lose some impact because you've seen some of the stuff that cribs from it a little bit, and maybe it's, it loses some of the punch. But there's also times when you can look at it and go, oh, I see why this kind of is important to everything that comes after it. And I think this movie falls in that category. Yeah, I think you can also see, like, what um, – because we've watched, like, a few – you're not, like, super versed, but, like – you kind of know what 70s horror looked like and, and, yeah. and this just feels different this almost kind of feels like the birth of the 80s in some way even if, if you got some people with like farrah fawcett hair this um, feels this feels relatively modern not not super dated i mean obviously outside of the, yeah. the setting like you're seeing like yeah. people making pay phone calls and, and i don't know like yeah. outside of stuff like that it doesn't feel like something that's too far gone from modern times Okay, cool. I'm 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 glad we found another one that that you enjoyed and that that uh this series is back up to a respectable uh, 400 average for I, I think I also wanted to kind of we talked about this about some of the other ones. Um, the effects, the practical stuff we talked about earlier, how it was, yeah. it was good in this one. Um, the kills were they had the right amount of meanness, for lack of a better term. We I mean I think we talked about yeah. that in some of the other movies where it just like. I mean, yeah, he stuck him with a knife, whatever. <laughs> this this seems a little more, uh, there seems to be a little more oomph beside, behind the kills, which I feel yeah, is there's definitely, missing. There's some in the series where, like, many of the kills just feel like the Steve Christie kill, just somebody, like, yeah, going, like, you're, oh! You're just <laughs> checking off a box. <laughs> yeah, but this this has, like, at least half of the kills in it have some, like, uh, they have good set pieces that lead up to them, and also, like, the kill itself is, like, is a worthwhile payoff for the thing. It's not just like, like the cutaway. The, the the throat slashes, I mean, part of that could be kind of a boring death. I, I, I yeah. don't like talking. It sounds like I'm a psychopath talking like this, but what I'm yeah. saying is like, it's not a super then. exciting way. <laughs> it's not like feeding someone to a yeah. wood chipper or having them explode or whatever, but they do a, a good enough job of actually showing it and yeah. s- seeing how gruesome it can be um, that it doesn't. Yeah. And I think a lot, so of, a lot of that's in a lot of that's in the acting too, not just the yeah. effects. Where I, I think both um, sure. Kevin Bacon's and um, and uh, Robbie Morgan, who played Annie, um, yeah. like they sell it. They sell it really well. And like the you say that like a, a throat slash can be like boring in, in like terms of like a horror movie that's something that you've just seen a hundred times. But like right. I, I don't think you really see them like you see Annie's. Like Annie's is so like viscerally disturbing when it had like kind of almost exactly. makes this thing that it, it you've seen a million feel, times it doesn't feel like ones you've seen before even yeah. if this came yeah. well before those like you have like the arrow through the throat which was which is pretty gnarly uh the axe in the yeah. face which we talked about you know how it they make it feel more weighty than <laughs> a foam axe hitting a head should be and the end effect looked pretty awesome as well uh so i i yeah. don't know i just i think a lot of the stuff that they did in this hit different than stuff that they just pumped out because horror movies make money. Yeah. Yeah. It's uh, I mean, this is the one Paramount bought it, but it was an independent film. And like, I think part of the, there, there's like the whole John Carpenter thing where he kind of like drags himself a little bit and talks about like not being like a great director. I think Sean Cunningham does that too. I don't think he's nearly as good or talented as, as Carpenter is, but I also think like for as much as he might talk about like, 
oh, I'm only in this for the money. I only, I'm only chasing the dollar. Like I, mm-hmm. I made this movie because I, I needed to put my kids through college or something. Like he also like kind of gets the fundamentals, and it's not, yeah, it's a, it's a movie that works. <laughs> like, there's craft, there's craft on display. Yeah. Um, well, cool. Um, so let's let's go through our, our other uh, wrap up stuff here. We got a we got a Crispin Glover award for acting excellence to hand out here. Um, <laughs> I think I know where it's going. And I hate you. <laughs> well, there's there's it, it hurts my heart because there's two places that I want it to go to. Um, I, I I really wish I could give this to Crazy Ralph. Really, really wish I do. It was like it was it was tearing at me. But I think the I think this movie also doesn't work and the reveal doesn't work unless you have somebody like Betsy Palmer leading into it. I think I have to hand it to to her for coming into this movie in a role where she's only in it for the last bit of it. And a lot of it's just her like chasing somebody around. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, she gets like a, she gets a few pieces of dialogue here, this monologue about her son and like. You buy the motive. You you you, st- you kind of don't question that this woman hasn't shown up in the rest of the movie because she feels like a character you know already. Um, yeah, I, I mean, my major complaint is basically a, about her character and the the lack of her presence in this movie up until the very end. Like, I, I feel like I feel like this movie would have been better for like maybe her showing up just to kind of check yeah. on what's going on and, and maybe taking the role of the cook since Annie couldn't be bothered to show up. <laughs> For a little while and maybe have her be a little more established as a presence before she just kind of shows up in the last act and is just there. (laughs) They only had ten thousand dollars to spend on her. They they couldn't they couldn't afford that. So I think I mean, I think it's also telling that you want more of her like it's. uh, All right. Yeah, I think think she's good. She doesn't she does a fine job, but I don't think it's it's so much as I want more of her is so much as I want more of whoever that character turned out to be. The, Mm -hmm. The I think the killer really lacks some impact in this movie until the reveal yeah i also like find it like really interesting too that that she she doesn't have a first name in this movie she's not pamela until part four (laughs) she's just mrs voice okay (laughs) um but no i i i I would would you have given it to crazy ralph is that your uh who's your no i was honestly terrified that you were going to give it to ned Oh yeah, yeah. No, fuck that dude. Um, I mean, I think the the actor is a working character actor who's been in like a ton of other stuff. Probably fine guy, but like, no. There is a there is a joke. No, no, character. no, no. No man who could come up with Ned is a fine guy. <laughs> I think he like his choices up exclude that possibility. <laughs> I see you've written in the script this my character Ned to be a great guy. I have some notes, like. <laughs> That's not how I see him. <laughs> Hear me out. <laughs> Underwear, Indian headdress, <laughs> tomahawk chop. <laughs> yeah, uh, complaining about like not no, not having any luck with the ladies, and maybe just like trying sexual assault as a way to you know smooth things over. Trying to, <laughs> oh boy, that's that fucking guy. Um. All right, so we got our we got our crispy handed out. Uh, let's talk a little bit about next time. Alrighty. Um, so I, I'm realizing. Do Do you know what we've never done on this show before? We've never done a Dracula. Dracula. I think I think I think we should amend that. We should do a Dracula. So I've got I've got some uh, Doctor Aculas lined up here for you. Um, 
And I'm gonna I'm gonna ask you to to pick one for me. All right. You're, you're ready to hear Are the choices? Are these actual Draculas or, or just like vampire Draculas? It's it's Draculas. Maybe one has an asterisk next to it, but it's it's Draculas. All right. Okay. Uh, so I'm gonna go in chronological order here. So uh, we could do our oldest movie yet uh, with two of these choices. So the first one would be Nosferatu. We could cover the silent German masterpiece Nosferatu. Um, with with the, the Count Orlock, um, for copyright reasons, uh, not not Dracula, but but it's the story of Dracula. Um, right. So you could, we could do that one. We could do the original Universal, the first Universal monster movie, Dracula, the the, the precursor to Frankenstein. Um, get a little Bella Lugosi up in this piece. Um, so that's that 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 would be choice number two. Um, Jed, I know you liked the one Hammer movie that we've done. We could do a Christopher Lee, the first Hammer movie. We could do the horror of Dracula, do a, do ourselves a, a Dracula story there. Um, we could also do, we could move to the 1970s and do Blackula, the, Blackula. the, the Black Dracula, the, the black the black exploitation Dracula. Well, I never. <laughs> <laughs> or we could do. Uh, 1992's uh, Francis Ford Coppola's uh, Bram Stoker's Dracula. Get some Keanu and uh, Winona, Gary Oldman up in this. You know what? This is actually kind of a difficult choice because I'm kind of pushing aside the older ones just just because I throw those garbage away. (laughs) I know they're classics, but I'm not interested in watching that. It's it's your classics. Okay. The Christopher Lee Mm -hmm. Lee sounds super interesting. Uh, uh, Christopher Lee. I think that'd be awesome to see. Uh, I really kind of want to go with Blackula because yeah, because Blackula. <laughs> no, but it's, also it's... I'm I'm like a forty something white guy, and I'm not sure if that's okay for me to say. <laughs> <laughs> well, if if not us, then who? Who would be more qualified? <laughs> right. Uh, but I think mm-hmm. I am actually going to lean with uh, Bram Stoker's Dracula, partly because, oddly enough, my wife and I were just having a discussion about that movie like three days ago. Awesome. No, I I, I, look, I look forward to that. That's one that uh, I liked it when I was a kid and I saw it, but I think that's like one that's only grown on me with time. So I look forward to talking about that one. So sweet. We'll do Bram Stoker's Dracula for next time. Awesome. Class this place up with a little Francis Ford Coppola. Oh, yeah. Uh, but yeah, uh, before we get into like uh, business stuff, was there uh, anything you wanted to shout out? Any Anything you've been enjoying? No, I don't enjoy anything. <laughs> that's true. Um, trying to think uh, what what I've been digging on. If I've been uh, I've been playing a, a video game, but it's like almost like my happy place of just stupid button mashing, make numbers go up. The uh, Dragon Quest Heroes Two, the uh, like from the, the the same like Muso folks oh, that do like the uh, yeah yeah yeah. I I had the first one for a little while. Yeah, it's it's uh it it plays to my weird particular form of like OCD of just making numbers go up. So uh, nothing yeah, wrong. If you <laughs> if your if your stuff manifests in, in that same way, I, I heartily recommend it. Um, yeah, oddly yeah, enough, so a lot of the uh, ones that uh, that that studio makes that aren't uh, that aren't Dynasty Warrior games are actually the better ones. <laughs> in that series and that kind of uh genre <laughs> yeah like there's they do like the zelda one and stuff too like the yeah, yeah they're, they're, if, you, if you've never played that sort of game before it's it's just uh you, 
a, a, a single warrior fighting thousands of opponents at a time, <laughs> or in this in this case, it's like a team of four, um, and just uh, it you do combos and everybody plays a little different and it's kind of mindless fun. But well, I I'm um, I'm on board for it. <laughs> um, but yeah, let's uh, talk a little bit about the business side. Um, if you uh, could please reach out to us at uh, on on Facebook and Facebook group. The Facebook group is Selling Scream. Our email is uh, Selling Scream at Gmail. Uh, we are still uh, somehow on Twitter until like that server crashes. Um, to like Elon drops a kitchen sink on it or something. That's... Yeah, I, I think it's more <laughs> out of apathy than anything else at this point. <laughs> <laughs> But like, I, I also don't want to go on Mastodon. Like, what what am I supposed to do on there? Send out toots? No, thank you. Toots, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, if you also, if you have it in your heart, if you could leave us a uh, review on the podcatcher of your choice, uh, iTunes and Spotify tend to drive the most traffic. Um, we keep getting these iOS updates uh, for for what they want you to do if you're going to leave a bad review. Uh, this one here, it actually says they have a, a, a dedicated app to look for it on the uh, app store. It's just called Reviewer, but there's no there's no E between the W and the R. So just download that to leave your bad review. That's uh, yeah. seems just, simple. You'd be crazy not yeah, to just just scour scour the stores until you find it. Um, but uh, yeah, anyway, until um, next time, join us for uh, Bram Stoker's Dracula. Uh, bye bye. Bye. Oh, thank you.